You're listening to a sermon from New City Fellowship in Manassas, Virginia. New City Fellowship is a diverse community that proclaims the gospel and makes disciples for the glory of God and the renewal of our city. For more information, visit newcityfellowship.net. And this morning we're going to be reading from the Psalms. So if you can open your Bibles to Psalm 119. We'll be reading God's word from Psalm 119. Starting in verse 9. How can a young man keep his way pure? By guarding it according to your word. With my whole heart I seek you. Let me not wander from your commandments. I have stored up your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. Blessed are you, O Lord. Teach me your statutes. With my lips, I declare all the rules of your mouth. In the way of your testimonies, I delight as much as in all riches. I will meditate on your precepts and fix my eyes on your ways. I will delight in your statutes. I will not forget your word. This is the word of the Lord. It's good. Good morning, family. It's good to be with you all today as we continue um, this series. We're just entitling Walking with God. Um, If you're a guest joining us, let me just add my welcome. We're glad that you're here. My name is Will, and uh, I get the joy of serving as one of the pastors here at New City. Let me invite all of us to pray and uh, prepare our own souls to receive uh, God's word to to speak to us. Let's pray together. God, I was just thinking as we were uh, singing and preparing to receive your word, if someone were to sit us down and ask us, what are the necessities of our lives? What are the things that we just can't live without? On a day like this, we'd probably say first shelter. We need a place to stay warm. We need food to eat. We need people, community, family. We need health. But I wonder how many of us this morning would list, even on that list, let alone the number one need, what I need more than anything else is the words of the living God in my life. I bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. Father, forgive us for neglecting this spiritual food that we so desperately need. God, I pray we would continue to hear your invitation this morning that you want to walk with us. You're not standing far away with your arms folded. You're not uh, just sitting back with disappointment at how our week went. Uh, You're not looking at your children in this room with judgment or anger. God, you tell us you desire fellowship with us. Just like Enoch, you want to walk, cultivate relationship and fellowship. So Lord, would you please this morning show us how we can cultivate this relationship with you, this walk with you through your living and active word. From this moment into this week, would your children just 
tuck themselves away in quiet places with your word open or play your word in their car radio or in their AirPods or uh, uh, find spaces and moments that they might receive your word. And Lord, I even pray over your body that you would raise proclaimers of your word. You say, how beautiful are the feet of those who bring good news. I pray that people in this gathering would not only be people who receive your word, but are able to teach it and admonish one another with it as well. God, help us to receive your invitation to walk with you in your word this morning, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Just by way of reminder, we are in this little series called Walking with God, and we're looking at different categories of what it is for us as followers of Jesus to walk with God. And if you remember last week, we looked at this man named Enoch. He's mentioned in Genesis 5. And as it summarizes his life, the the high point, the, the thing that stood out about Enoch was the simple reality that Enoch walked with God. And we heard uh, uh, last week how the simple reality that the God of the universe wants to walk with us. The God of the universe wants to not just be around us, as that word with might denote. He wants friendship, fellowship, communion, dare I say, intimacy with his people. And he wants that just as an end in and of itself. Like we don't just read our Bible or pray or walk with God so that we can go do some bigger, greater thing. Just that simple reality is what you and I were made for. And so we considered that last week and we were pressed with the question, knowing that God wants to walk closely with us, do you and I as his people desire to walk closely with him? This morning, as we begin taking steps towards walking with Kignize, we cannot have a relationship with someone without some sort of communication. And so in order for us to walk with God, we need to be able to uh, uh, hear from him and receive from him. And what I want to begin our morning doing is recounting a powerful experience of a well-known pastor. Many of you know him, John Piper. And I want you to hear his own experience of God speaking powerfully to him some years ago. Just listen to this uh, entry that John Piper recorded. Let me tell you, he says, about a most wonderful experience I had early Monday morning, March 19th. The year was 2007. A little after six o'clock, this is what he says. God actually spoke to me. The words were in English, but they had about them an absolutely self-authenticating ring of truth. And I know beyond a shadow of doubt that God still speaks today. He was at this retreat house, and it describes how he got up early in the morning uh, in order to, to begin hearing from God. He says, as I prayed and mused, suddenly it happened. God said, come and see what I have done. There was not the slightest doubt in my mind that these were the very words of God. Then this very moment, at this very place, in the 21st century, the year 2007, God was speaking to me with absolute authority and self-evidencing reality. I paused to let this sink in. Timed team seemed to matter little. God was near He had me in his sights and he had something to say to me. Then he said, as clearly as any words have ever come to my mind, I am awesome in my deeds, 
towards the Lord. You are awesome in your deeds. Yes, to all men came again, just as clear as before, but increasingly specific. He says, I turned the sea into dry land. They passed through the river on foot. There they rejoiced in me, who rules by my might forever. Suddenly I realized God was taking me back several thousand years to the time when he dried up the Red Sea in the Jordan River. As I marveled at his power to dry the sea and the river, he spoke again, I keep watch over the nations. Let not the rebellious exalt themselves. Think of it. Marvel at this. Stand in awe of this. The God who keeps watch over the nations like some, little, some people watch over cattle or stock markets or construction sites, this God is speaking in the 21st century. I heard his very words. He spoke personally to me. It has, John Piper says, increased my love for the Bible as God's very word because it was through the Bible that I heard these divine words. And through the Bible, I have experiences like this almost every day. The very God of the universe speaks on the pages after page into my mind and your mind when we hear his very word. And best of all, they're available to all of us. If you would like to hear the very same words I heard on that couch in northern Minnesota, you can read Psalms 66, 5 through 7. That's where I heard them. And he concludes saying, Oh, how precious is the Bible. It is the very word of God. There is a deep desire within all of us as God's people in this room that that God would speak to us that we would be able to hear God's voice into our line, our, into our lives. It is so sad then, of course, how prone all of us are Bible. Many of us would even say to ourselves, man, I'd do almost anything to hear a direct word from God. Meanwhile, our Bibles are collecting dust on our nightstand. Brothers and sisters, we have the opportunity to hear the voice of God every single day when we open up his word and receive it into our lives. Why then? Why then are we so prone to neglecting meeting him through the Bible? If we are going to walk with God as a people, then we have to do it by walking with him through his holy and inspired word. And this morning, what I simply want to do is ask a couple questions that I think this passage is going to helpfully guide us in. Number one, what is the Bible? I want to reflect briefly on that with you together. And then I want to ask the question, how can we read it so that we receive God's word into our lives? Or how can we read it so that it can have its full effect on us as his people? So what is the Bible? And how should we read it? Let's consider that first question. What is the Bible? If you haven't picked up so far, what I'm communicating this morning is this. Plainly speaking, the Bible is the word of the creator of the universe. And Psalm 119, the one that we're in right now, it's the longest Psalm, longest chapter in the Bible. It is a entire chapter devoted to appreciating, reflecting on, 
and showing us how we as God's people ought to each letter of the book. And what it does is it takes different sections of the Hebrew alphabet and it, under each letter of the alphabet, begins to expound and describe uh, God's word. And what you immediately notice through Psalm 119 uh, is that the author of the psalm recognizes that when God's written word speaks, it is God himself who is speaking. So different examples in this passage we just read. He says things like, your word, your commandments, your statutes, all descriptions of the Bible. The author recognizes that when the Bible speaks, God speaks. I want you to hear how we describe this in a theological statement as that God wrote the Bible through men without error. The Old and New Testaments in their entirety constitute the written word of God and are without error, both inerrant and infallible in the original manuscripts. They were written by men through the inspiration of the Holy Spirit and are therefore fully authoritative in all matters for the follower of Christ. So God's word, the Bible, inspired God's word to us. And we, of course, pick that up from passages in the Bible, like, for example, 1 Timothy chapter 3, verses 16 through 17. Paul says to Timothy, all scripture is breathed out by God and is profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, for training in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. Peter says something similar, 2 Peter 1.21. Knowing this, first of all, that no prophecy of scripture comes from someone's own interpretation. For no prophecy was ever produced by the will of man, but men spoke from God as they were carried along by his Holy Spirit. So this is recognizing two things. One, the, the Bible comes to us through the agency of human beings. Humans wrote this book. They, they engaged their mind and they, they used a pen or they spoke and someone else wrote for them. But as that transpired, they were carried along by the Spirit of God, so that we can confidently say this morning, once again, when the Bible speaks, God himself speaks. Now, a bigger question with that is, of course, and uh, the most complicated one and the one I'm going to spend the least amount of time on is, uh, what, well, that's quite a statement. I, like I know, there are some of you in this room similar to John Piper, maybe you just need reminders along the way that it's God's word, but you believe it. Like you've, you've been persuaded that this is in fact a divinely inspired book uh, and, and you just need reminders to receive from God in it. There are others of you in this room that may wrestle or have, have questions about that or others that would say you, you don't believe that interpretation's words from men. So why should we believe that this is God's word? This claims to be the Bible, we just read that. Countless other religions claim to have God's word. You may have an uncle in rural West Virginia that claims to have God's word. Like, like, why should I have confidence that this is the inspired word of God? Just the first thing I wanna say, I brought five copies of these this morning and they're free, you can grab them. It's called, Can I Really Trust the Bible? Simple read, maybe 70 pages or so. Uh, there's just a quick reflection on what I have not enough time to go through this morning, why we can trust the Bible. Just speaking personally very briefly, why, why have I come to a place in my life where I believe that this is the Bible? The first would be just simply experientially. As I've spent 18, 19 years reading this book, uh, there is no other book on planet earth like this. As you begin to read it, and that's always my challenge to you, if you have questions about the Bible, just read it for yourself. 
As I begin reading this book, I see the divine handprint all over it. But then there's other things that are helpful along the way. Like dozens of prophecies written hundreds, if not thousands of years before they came to pass that are, uh, are predicted perfectly. In other words, the prophecies that are spoken are carried out perfectly whether they're very large global things like the establishment of uh, certain nation states that's prophesied in the book of Daniel or specific details about the life of Jesus that are carried out perfectly throughout his birth, life, death, and resurrection. The, the predictive prophetic nature of this book shows me that. The fact that there is, uh, this book is 66 books compiled in one. It's been written by dozens of different authors, uh, two but within a little bit of a third language, it's been written on three continents, and yet across all of those different authors, all of those different time spaces, it has one central unified theme. And perhaps the most persuasive reality of why I believe this to be the word of God is in how it reveals the living word of God, Jesus Christ himself. And so uh, if you still have questions, grab a book. They're on the table on the way out. I'd also be happy to discuss that with you further. But more than any of that, if you wonder about this book, my the Bible is the, when the Bible speaks, it is God himself who is speaking within it. If that's true, our, our second question lives, how can we read the Bible to receive God's word into our lives? How can we approach this book so that we can get out of it what God desires for us to get out of it? Because you can skim through this book, read some things, and it have very little to no effect on your life. But there is a way we can approach this book that can absolutely transform us and give us what we're after in the first place, a real walk with God. So let me give you just three categories that we're then gonna unpack and work together as it pertains to how we should approach this book. I think three things, they're memorable. Number one, to receive from this book, you need to come with hunger, number two, humility, and number three, engaging your heart, okay? Let's unpack each one of those, beginning with that first one. In order to come uh, and receive from this book, we have to first of all come with hunger. And as you read Psalm 119 or Psalm 19 that we read earlier during our call to worship, you cannot help but immediately notice the hunger, the thirst, the longing that this writer has for God's word in their life. He says things like uh, the following in the passage we just read. With my whole heart, I seek you. In the way of your testimonies, I delight. To what degree do you delight? Like how, how great is that for you? As much as in all the riches of the world, the psalmist says. Psalm 119.20, I love this. My soul is consumed with longing for your statutes. This is hunger. This is thirst. This is desperation. And Jesus himself picks up on this theme when he quotes Deuteronomy during his time in the wilderness, when he was really hungry for some physical food, some bread. What did Jesus say? Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. So in order for you to receive from this book, you have to approach it with a degree of hunger, a degree of thirst, a degree of desperation, which brings us, I think, to this important question for you to personally ask. Why do I lack hunger for the Bible? Why do I lack hunger for God's words? I've got just a couple areas of diagnosis for you to evaluate for yourself. One reason that you might lack hunger for the Bible is, quite frankly, you are filled up with so much other junk, you don't even have an appetite for it. 
Like, let me invite you into just uh, some of my eating experiences in life. So I put like great intentionality when a big meal is coming, whether that be Thanksgiving, uh, you know, whether that be something that's been barbecued all day, whether that be a trip to a Brazilian steakhouse. So like my meals during the whole day are kind of set up in preparation so that I can make sure I have a full appetite when I go into that meal. Before I, I meditate, I, I prep talk. Like it's a, I wanna be prepared so that I approach this significant meal with hunger. Now just imagine this scenario for me. Say tonight, I'm going to, I'm not, but I, I wish I was, but tonight I'm going to a Brazilian steakhouse, right? And this is gonna have the most like delectable foods that you can imagine. But beforehand, I participate in an Oscar Mayer hot dog eating contest. <laughs> and I don't know how many I could put down. I approach this Brazilian steakhouse having just participated in a hot dog eating contest. What would normally see delectable will seem disgusting to me. I won't even want to see food. I will have completely lost my appetite. Now, this might be the problem for some of us in the room. We are receiving information and words and pictures all day long, whether it be through social media, whether it be through podcasting or talk radio, whether it be through watching the news, whether it be through I don't know what, but you are just so filled up with content that you've lost appetite for true living food, which is God's word. That could be one thing for you to evaluate in your life. Another reason why you might lack hunger for God's word is simply because you have not cultivated a diet for it. You've not cultivated a diet for it. So I remember about a year ago, meeting with a friend of mine, he's always struggled with his health. And so he made just a resolution. He spent a bunch of money on a trainer and nutrition person uh, that he went through this big transformation. I could barely recognize him when I saw him. Uh, and we were standing in line at Kava, and he was saying, like, one of the transformations that's been helpful for him is he's begun walking down this road of eating healthy food where he usually hated uh, any kinds of vegetables or healthy food. He now actually had an appetite for it. In other words, he now actually desired to eat the healthy food that he never did before. And I'm asking for extra tzatziki to cover the flavor of the, the vegetables in the Kava bowl during that time. Um, but, like, oh, that's so interesting that you've cultivated a, a diet for this. But one of the reasons why you may lack hunger for God's word is simply because you have not cultivated a diet for it. You've not taken the time to regularly open this book up and receive it into your life. So cultivating hunger for God's word for, for those of us in this room may look a couple of different ways. Some of us need to evaluate our intake, like how much media and imagery and memes are we taking in that there's just no room left for God's word. Another of us may need to develop habits, rhythms, scheduled moments where you're beginning to cultivate an appetite for God's word in your life. Now, let me just say one other thing that's important under this theme of hunger. It is so important as we cultivate this habit of reading God's word that you are storing away food for later times of drought and famine. Let me explain what I mean by that. The psalmist says here in Psalm 119, thy word have I hid in my heart. And that is gonna be so important because there are gonna be moments in your life, I would say especially as young parents, where the John Piper, quiet morning, coffee experience, that's just frankly not available for you. Like, as, as nice as it would be to have this quiet moment, there will be times where you've been up all night with a crying kid, they just puked on you, 
and you just realize you have no more diapers, okay? So uh, a quiet moment with coffee in the Bible might not be available or your work commute or something like that, which is so important that you are finding opportunities to hide God's word in your heart so that you can access it in those moments so that it can be there for you when life gets crazy. And uh, God's not any less pleased with you as you're caring for a little one or dealing with a crazy work situation where you're just simply meditating on his word that you've been storing away for years during that time. So you've got to hide it for seasons of hunger, seasons of thirst, seasons of famine. You need to store it away and hide it in your heart. So how do we approach God's word? Number one, we need to approach it with hunger. Number two, we need to approach God's word with Humility, humility. Listen to Isaiah 66, verse two. This is what God says concerning his word. But this is the one to whom I will look. He who is humble and contrite in spirit and trembles at my word. Do you see the relationship there between God's word and a posture of humility? God says, this is the one that I'm looking for. Maybe we could go so far as to say, this is the one God will meet with and walk with through his word. The one who approaches it with humility. Now, a couple manifestations of that humility that are important. One manifestation of our humility shows up through this word, hermeneutics. Dude, what? Hermeneutics? What does that mean? Hermeneutics. Hermeneutics is the process of interpreting the Bible so we can understand what God intends to communicate through it. Let me say that one more time. It's the process of interpreting the Bible so that we can get a sense of what God intends to communicate through it. Uh, And it pertains to humility because hermeneutics, uh, going through this process, we're, we're asking this question, what did God say when he wrote this? Not, what do I think this means for me and my own preferences and and desires? Uh, in, in humility, we, we come under God's word uh, and, and recognize the Bible can never say what the Bible never said. In other words, the Bible was not written to us here at New City Fellowship in the year 2022. It was written to specific people in specific cultures at specific moments of time. And what we need to do if we're gonna understand the Bible is we need to not just say, hey, to me, this verse means here. When they do the hard work of going back and saying, what did the original recipients hear when they heard these words? And then how does that apply to my life? It's a critical component of humility where we're not bending and molding and getting it to just say whatever we want, but what was said back then and how can I apply it now? The Bible can never say what the Bible never said. Now, how do we go through that process? You can get entire seminary degrees in hermeneutics, which we obviously don't have time to dive in deep there. Can I just give you, we use this sometimes at our own community group, uh, this little acronym that's helpful for you to begin that process. Uh, The acronym is COMA, and it works through these four words, context, observation, meaning, and application. So when I begin reading the Bible, the first thing that I wanna know is, again, this was written to a specific people, a context, Is there anything I can learn about what was happening at that time? Who was this book or this letter written to? Uh, And then in the passage itself, what went before what I'm reading right now and what came after? What are some of the contextual considerations in this passage that's very important? And then before you jump to how it might change your life, begin to just make observations. Are there any repeated phrases or themes in this passage? So with Psalm 119, we can obviously see this is about God's word. It's meant the rest of this passage. 
What does this say perhaps about, again, to ask the question about God? Where, uh, what observations can I make about it? And then meaning. That's when we begin to ask the question, all right, from my context and observations, what, what does this mean? What does this mean about God? What does this mean for the people who first received it? What does this mean for my life? And then the final kind of stop along the way is application, where I'm now just saying, all right, me in the year 2022, in January uh, 30th, how does this apply to my life today? That's just a little acronym that I'll give you to, to be thinking through as you're reading the Bible personally. A couple other resources that are helpful for you that I'll just recommend if you wanna dive deeper into the subject of her hermeneutics. One helpful book, Reading the Bible for All It's Worth uh, is by a uh, author named Gordon Fee, New Testament scholar, but a very accessible book. And then a book I read very early on that was helpful for me interpreting the Bible is called Knowing Scripture by R.C. Sproul. Those are two helpful resources to begin getting some tools to once again, not figure out what, what do I want the Bible to say, but in humility, what was written when it was originally penned and how can I access that? So that's one posture of humility. Here's another posture of humility that we need to approach the Bible with. And this one's way harder than hermeneutics. Here's the, the other way we need to approach. We need to approach God's word saying, when it comes to my life, I have got absolutely no idea what I'm doing. I have got not the slightest idea how to do life well. You know, I like enjoy the experience of driving with my wife and I take a little turn, a little shortcut that she's short. This isn't the way you get to, to there. And I just happily drive along to bring us to our destination with uh, greater efficiency and timeliness than we would have gotten in the other way. But why is that such an enjoyable experience for me? Because I love to be seen as someone who knows the way uh, I love to be seen as someone who has the answers, uh, who, who has special insight and knowledge. But when we approach the Bible, I don't care how you navigate the roads. When you navigate life, come to the Bible saying this, I don't know where I'm going. I don't know what I'm doing. And I am way out of my league. And that will lead us to stay, say stuff like the psalmist says, words that are hard for us to say, teach me. What does that imply? I don't have the answers. Teach me. Even further, command me. Like, I need more than just advice from you, God. I will wreck my life if I just get some uh, advisory pointers. Command my life. Come with a posture that says, I don't know what I'm doing. Show me the way. And the result of your life beyond your years, and you'll experience God's blessing and favor as you walk through his life underneath his word and humility. So how do we need to approach this book? Number one, with hunger. Number two, with humility that causes us to interpret it in the way that it was originally written and causes us to say, I don't know what I'm doing, teach me. Let's look at one final area that's critical as we engage with this book. We have to engage with the Bible with our heart. Our, our heart has to be involved. In order to understand the Bible, you must engage your mind. You need to examine it, think over it, study this book. But in order to walk with God, you must engage it with your heart. This has to be more than just an exchange of information, learning history, studying literature. This has to sink deep into our souls. And you see that really clear in the passage that was read this morning. The psalmist says, with my whole heart, I seek you. I've stored your word in my heart. In your testimonies, I delight. I delight in your statutes. What we can see the author of this doing is moving way more than just Bible study. 
He's bringing it deep into the place of delight, the place of our affections, uh, the, the core of who we are as human beings. The question then is, how do we move this from just a like academic exercise of just taking in information into something that's reaching us into those deeper places of our lives? And the key word in order to do that is this word, meditate. Meditation. So you can simply read the word of God and you may or may not get something out of it. You can just wake up and just read through it and that's still beneficial, that's good, you should do it. But you can meditate on God's word and watch it enrich your spiritual life, ignite your heart with passion for the Lord and give you deep joy through any season of life. This is the way it moves from head to heart. Now, meditation, what does that mean? What does that look like? Meditation is not questioning, probing God's words, asking, what does it mean for you? I was trying to think of a situation when we move from just like information to meditation. And this is the example I came up with. Maybe you had this experience in high school. So think about this. For many of you in high school, especially, you know, if you went to, uh, you know, public high school, something like that, uh, you know, your boring, monotonous day could be completely transformed by receiving a letter, a note, from someone who may or may not be a crush in your life, okay? So all of a sudden, when you receive that letter, your reading comprehension just skyrocketed. Your, your focus, your interest in what was written has, has just captured you. You may have just been skimming through a history book, glancing at a class syllabus, uh, but this document is different. With this document, you focus on every single word with great interest. So here's just a hypothetical. Dear so-and-so, you get this letter. I was just sitting around in biology class with Mr. Jones droning on about, you know, this and that. And so I wrote you a note. And so, okay, wow, I just received a note from this person. What, well, they were just bored and they wrote it. So does that mean that they're interested? But, but while they were bored, they were thinking about me. So, so maybe that's it. There, there's interest. They, they go on. You know, this day could not get any more boring. I can't wait for it to be done. Anyway, I think a bunch of us are going over to, you know, McDonald's after school. You should come. Oh, wow. So, okay, a bunch of us are going. So, like, we're in a group, but, but, but uh, she thought of me or he thought of me to, to join them in that. You're, you're looking at that letter at a completely different level of folk. Relate to other than each word, considering what does this mean? How does it apply to me? How does it relate to other things that are written in the letter? There's a completely different level of focus or intention. Now, obviously the Bible is far more significant than that, but I think that framework is helpful where we read it with a kind of folking. How does it relate to what went before? How does it relate to my life? What does it say about God? What does it say about the world? What does it say about me? Engaging it with that kind of focus will move it from head to heart. And maybe sometimes a helpful practice is simply journaling it out, beginning to write and pour over God's word uh, with, with pen or with typing so that you can capture. So on this, he, Hebrews describes God's word as living and active, reaching us at the deepest places of our lives. But in order for you to experience this word as God's voice, like John Piper did earlier, to receive it as living and active, you have to move to meditation. And I wanna focus on this result of meditating on God's word. When you meditate on God's word like this, you can find joy and strength to make it through any season of life that you face. So Psalm 1, one of the most important passages in the Bible on, uh, on the Bible, it says, you know, blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of scoffers, but his delight, 
is in the law of the Lord. And on that law, he meditates. Another, he doesn't just read. On that law, he meditates day and night. What will that person's life be like? Oh, that person will be like a tree planted by streams of water that yields fruit in its season. What if there's drought? What if there's difficulty? What if no nutrients are coming along you know, through the rain? That's okay. It's got a deep well of strength and joy that it can tap its roots into during any season of life. So if you wanna have strength, if you wanna have joy even, to endure any difficult season of life, meditate on God's word. Let it move about head to heart. And as I was thinking about meditating on God's word, I was thinking about one of our founding members, her name was Judy Wine. Her mother passed away last year at 99 years old. And Judy wanted me to have something that was given uh, during her um, memorial service. And uh, on the top of it, it says, thy word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. And what this is, is 50 years, 50 years of verses for the year. So every year, uh, Mrs. Wine uh, would capture a verse from the Bible and just begin to meditate on it like Psalm 1, pray about it into her life. When she was raising kids and uh, you know, struggling to figure life out, I'm sure it said, show me thy way, she quoted in the year 1975, Psalm 25, 4, show me thy way, teach me thy paths, O Lord. She had uh, different verses that she was meditating on in, in the 80s. You know, I wasn't uh, uh, around then, but I hear of hyperinflation, difficult real estate market, crazy interest rates. Well, as they were facing maybe similar things that we're experiencing today, she was meditating on God's word to make it through there. She continued into the 90s, the early 2000s. The one that really captured me in here was the year 2009. Uh, In 2009, she was meditating on this. Your word, O Lord, is eternal. It stands firm in the heavens. Your faithfulness continues to all generations. You established the earth and it endures. Why was that significant? Well, the year 2009 was the year that her husband of 66 years had passed away. And what did she do to make it through that excruciating experience of having someone so close for all those years pass away? She focused on God's word. She remembered God's faithfulness even in the midst of difficulties. And then the the most profound ones in here for me were the years uh, 2020 and 2021. It was during those years that she was at the Caton Merchant House, COVID, completely shut off from the world, uh, undergoing all of the cautions and difficulties of experiencing COVID in a nursing home. In the year 2020, she was saying and meditating on, if anyone is in Christ, he's a new creation. The old things have passed away. Behold, the new has come. In the year 2021, her, her last year of living, her 99th year, she focused on this, Psalm 19:14. May the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart be pleasing to you, O Lord, my rock and my redeemer. And during those years when she was meditating on God's word, living by God's word moment by moment, this is what was described during that very, the champion of her peers. She knew their birthdays, their age, how they were doing. She formed strong bonds and the staff, uh, and she shared her faith liberally. Without these strong bonds, survival of 2020 would have been impossible. At the end of her days, many reported Mrs. Wine never spoke unkindly to anyone. Her presence and positive outlook will be greatly missed. Can you imagine being, first of all, in a nursing home through the pandemic that we just experienced, but then even more profound than that, being in that situation, but being someone of warmth, 
of encouragement, of joy, of not complaining, even in very difficult circumstances? Where, where does that come from? That, is, that didn't come naturally, I can assure you. That came from being like a tree planted by streams of water, having spiritual strength and nourishment from God's word that was needed in those times. 50 years of faithfulness, 50 years of joy and hard times, 50 years of abundant life and prosperity. Why? Because she learned how to walk with God through his word. She learned how to walk with God through his word. So this morning, we're gonna slow it down for just a second. I'm gonna give you space to just reflect on your life as we did last week. And then we're gonna take communion a little bit. So just hang tight. I'll, I'll tell you when it's time to come to the table. What I want you to sit in your seat for a few moments and ponder is this question. Do you have a walk with God through his word this morning? Do you have a God through God through his word? What needs to change about your relationship with God through his word in order for you to cultivate that walk? Maybe you can sit in your seat and just pray, confess some things. Maybe you can sit in your seat and just open Psalm 119 back up and just compare your life to it. And evaluate, here's where I'm at. Here's what God's calling me to. I want to take a moment to pray and engage with God about that. So that's the question. How is your walk with God through his word this morning? Let me pray for you right now and give you some time to reflect and consider that. But his delight is in the law of the Lord. And on that law, he meditates day and night. He will be like a tree planted by streams of water that yields its fruit in its season. Lord, in good times and bad times, we want to live fruitfully for you. We want to walk with joy and patience and peace. We want to walk with gentleness and self-control. We Ultimately, Lord, we, we want our lives to look like you, to the people around us, to our families, our children, our spouses, our coworkers, our neighbors. We want the fruits of Jesus Christ to come forth from our life in great times and in terrible times. Lord, we acknowledge that the only way to do that is by cultivating a walk with you through your word. So Spirit of God, we invite you into this moment to now speak to us in ways that I can't up here. You know every detail of every life in this room. And so would you please speak to your people in this room? Show them what needs to change. Invite them into fellowship with you through your holy and inspired word. In Jesus' name, amen.